Hi, welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. Today I am here with Sharifa J, model and mental health advocate. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am really excited to get to know more about you and your work. But before we jump in, I just want to check in. How are you really? Oh, hello. What an entrance. Thank you so much. Um, thanks for having me. It's always nice to be invited on to talk about uh, the very, very important topic of mental health and normalizing the conversation. Um, and hopefully everything else we're going to get into today. How am I really? Wow. Um, really? I guess I'm a little... Um, I think the word of the week for me would have been everything in my life is currently in flux. I'm, as I was saying just before we started recording, I'm somewhere between moving house. This would be, I think it's probably my fourth or fifth house move in the last couple of years. Um, I've moved house well over 17 times in my life. Um, and now sort of looking for the forever home. Uh, maybe not the forever home, but something a little bit more permanent. Um, the pandemic is has definitely still had a knock-on effect I'm sure in many people's lives and definitely in my life as well my work stopped a lot during the pandemic so it's taken as a self-employed person it's taken a long time to play catch up and I finally just got there um, recently but now it's overwhelming it's gone the other way it's like you want to take all this work because you, there was a time when I think it was, I didn't work for eight months during the pandemic and the lockdowns and uh, now I'm like, oh gosh, I have to take everything. But obviously when you then become a yes person, that can also have an impact. So I'm always grateful for work. I'm always grateful for opportunities. And it's, I find it so hard to say no to things, um, even at my own expense. So I recently had to slow down, dial down a little bit, have a little bit of a word with myself. So at the moment, I guess I say I'm in flux, grateful, um, but have definitely been having some difficult, stressful times and had felt along the way my mental health sort of declining more recently, but it's, I'm somewhere on the up. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. It's so hard. <laughs> it is hard. It's hard to be honest and vulnerable and authentic to how are you? Because we're so taught that it's a greeting. You walk down the street, it's like, how are you? Good. And then someone asks you and they want your answer. It's like, how do I answer this? I don't know how I, am. Also, I don't check in with myself. You know, what am I supposed to something, say? Something you always notice is when someone says, how are you? And you go to respond. And actually, by the time you go to respond, they've turned around and walked away. Because <laughs> actually, a lot of people, they ask, how are you? But they don't really mean it. Um, and that's not malicious, but it's just everyone's busy. They've got their own things going on. We've all, we're all the hero of our own story. So we're always too busy and focused on what we're doing to, to bother too much about other people. So um, I actually think it's not very often people just sit, say, how are you? Really wait for that response and respond back to that. I think that's quite rare. So thank you for asking. <laughs> of course. And back to your point of being overwhelmed and everything just picking up again. I think that's something that is so relatable since the pandemic. So many people lost their jobs. So many people's life was just virtual and online and they didn't have to go anywhere, run around. And all of a sudden it's all just picking back up and it's full force to even more than it was before. And it's like, I haven't even got out of sweatpants for two years. And now suddenly I have 200 things to do a day and don't even have time to sleep. 
yeah and I think we all felt that I mean to be honest I'm still currently sitting in um we don't really call it sweatpants in the UK maybe we'd say like joggers or um like house like loungewear but anyway I'm still in my sweatpants slash loungewear whatever um at the moment because there are actually some parts of me from the pandemic that have never left like wanting to put a bra on again has not struck me I've not wanted to put on a bra and that's even before we got on this I said are we recording this are we doing this video because I currently look so scruffy but I have adopted this scruffiness I don't I care a lot less about putting myself together these days I don't know if anyone listening can relate to that but I know that I definitely can um makeup has sort of it's not gone out of the window but it's on my face less than it used to be (laughs) I totally relate to that. Up until Saturday, I was, I had none of my face routine stuff. I had thrown everything out. I was like, I'm not going to use any more. I'm, you know, I'm currently in loungewear, which I am in almost every day. I stopped caring about my hair, straightening my hair. It's the first time I've straightened my hair in so long. And it was so easy to just not get put together that I then changed the image of myself to looking at someone I almost didn't recognize anymore and that was really hard to try to come out of and I'm only what four days into it (laughs) well I I completely agree it's it's so funny isn't it how we have like uh almost I think we all have several versions of ourselves you know like we all have the glam self when you feel your best self and you're like you put yourself together and you've got your favorite makeup and you've your hair's done perfectly and you just happen to f- fit into um whatever dress makes you feel most confident or outfit that makes you feel like you're just absolute best I mean in, in London or in the UK we'd say like peng just makes you feel like peng which just makes you feel like incredible we always have and then a whole old part of your alter ego sort of like comes out and then I think in the other on the other end of the spectrum then you've got the the scruffy sweats I always always wonder how much that actually impacts how you genuinely feel like from a mental health perspective so yeah but it's good to wear all the hats because I think it's important not to hide behind certain parts of our personalities and sort of embrace every single facet you know yeah I love that with social media specifically I'm always like I need to get put together I need to be dressed up I need to have all these pictures with my friends and be this social person and it's like that's not who I want to be 24 7 it's not who I want to be half of the time half of the time I want to be just relaxing and comfortable and not having to put on a bra I mean I went to pick up my friend this morning and I was like I'm coming in my pajamas I'm not putting on a bra like just get in the car and we're going right back to the house (laughs) yes that's exactly I'm exactly the same you know um a couple of years ago I think it was probably in the pandemic actually I decided that I was gonna ditch filters for the first time on Instagram I caught myself in this trap where I would have these go-to filters that I would use when I wasn't feeling my best self you know sometimes if I have my makeup on and I thought I was looking good I come online I'm very an Instagram story heavy sort of person I used to just share all day every day I still kind of do share all day every day what I'm up to um and a lot of that being me talking to camera and sometimes if I'm looking good feeling pang then I probably wouldn't feel like I needed the filter but other times if I didn't have makeup on I've had a bad night's sleep or I felt rough then I'd come and put my Paris or Abu Dhabi or 
whatever, now 2.0 on. Um, and it gave me this confidence, sort of like makeup. But then I learned, I sort of realized over the years that it, it became less of a confidence booster and more of a crutch and more of a something to, to hide behind. And I'd often come online and be talking about mental health or suicide prevention or body issues or any of those things, which are super important, but I'd have this, this amazing filter on that would just make me look like a supermodel or maybe not a supermodel, but make me look 10 times better than I looked. And all people would do is say, oh gosh, you look so beautiful today. Wow. They weren't even listening to what I was saying. So I just thought, you know what? I don't really agree. I don't disagree with filters, but I have a lot of issues with um, the impact that filters might be having on us. And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to stop using them. And it was probably over two years ago, made a pact to never filter my face or body on Instagram ever again. And so I haven't done it since. Um, and you'll only see filters on my food or, you know, it, it, like lifestyle type things. Sometimes you might see a filter on a cow in a field or <laughs> something like that. But um, and occasionally if I've got the lifestyle thing on and I flip the camera around to say something then the filter might go on to me but I will never intentionally filter myself for that reason because I think it's very hard to try and value yourself when you don't ever see yourself as you are yeah I don't know how I got there but it's <laughs> just the thought I wanted to share <laughs> but that is so admirable because I mean it's so easy to just put a filter on your face I'm like on my stories, I have a list of filters. I'm like trying to make myself look not scary today. And it's so damaging because when I look at myself without a filter, I'm like, ew. And that's just Same. such <laughs> confidence like hit. In the middle of the pandemic, when we weren't wearing any makeup, weren't trying to put ourselves together, my one friend's sister started editing our faces with some app to make us all look like we were put together. And my friend would send me back photos of us and my nose would be a little smaller or my skin would be a little more tan or my eyebrows would look a little better. And at first I was like, oh, that's so cool. I look so good. But after a while, I was taking pictures of myself. And if my friend wasn't in them, they weren't being edited. And I was like, I hate the way I look. Yeah. And I was crying. I was like, my nose is too big. My eyebrows are never even. I just, I was like, I'm never going to be tan enough. And just down this rabbit hole to where I remember calling my dad. I was like, meet me for ice cream right now. Crying hysterically that I'm just ugly. I was like, I want plastic surgery. I need a new nose. My dad's like, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> He's like, where is this coming from? He's like, there's one thing to want plastic surgery because you genuinely want it. And one, because social media filters are telling you that you need it. So it was then I realized how detrimental it is not just to the person receiving the filter but also to myself to only want to see myself in a way that's not even what I look like yeah absolutely and um <laughs> I love how he, he took you for ice cream <laughs> just to cheer you up by the way that was that's the perfect cheer up um I think we really are in a in quite a problematic time where beauty standards have just gotten really out of hand I mean I've been a plus size model for a decade and I've worked all over the world and I've been in multiple different markets and I, I understand uh, I see and uh, I experience firsthand advertising and how adverts get put together 
and I sometimes really wish that people could just be a fly on the wall like and when I say people I mean people that don't work in that space so not not influencers they don't work in advertising they're not on um beauty shoots or fashion shoots and you could just see how much work goes into creating the perfect image that we then model ourselves around I mean I have walked past pictures of myself oh, I will never forget this so I am um, I'll just go backtrack a little bit I I do a lot of fashion photographic fashion campaigns and um I just before the pandemic was sort of dominating Oxford Street at one point in London I just happened to have quite a few campaigns all at the same time and so you'd look on one end of Oxford Street and there'd be a picture of me and another end of picture of me it was great it was a good time in my career I was very proud of myself because um I hadn't worked as much previously so it was really good um but with that came me not really seeing myself like that I guess I you know I've, I've always been a model and not always but I've been a model for a long time but I never really saw the, the modeliness in myself and I was uh trudging home from a casting or something I had a really long day I was really busy it was raining I was a bit pissed off <laughs> tired um and I also remember looking in the mirror that day multiple times and feeling a bit icky and gross and thinking oh I look like terrible today and I walked past um a, there's a big shop called Primark and I was walking alongside it and I put my bags down for a second to just um you know rejig and you know wipe sweat off my face <laughs> from all trudging around and I looked up at this picture of uh, a girl with like this big afro hair but it was like it's like my afro but not quite the same my afro is quite um I'd always had an issue with my hair because when I grew up my afro hair was not trendy it was not cool I was very badly bullied for it because my hair didn't drop down it, it stuck up and in the early 90s in the UK that was not cute to people that was like the opposite um and I grew up in a very racist town as well where I was people would be calling me all sorts of names because of my hair and my skin and everything um so her hair didn't look quite like mine it wasn't drier and sticking up it was more shiny and it looked more voluptuous. you know it just had this look and then you know she was wearing this beautiful bodysuit contoured bodysuit and I just thought oh she looks so good and then I I looked a bit closer and I was like oh <laughs> oh that's me <laughs> and I'd actually shot that campaign um maybe six weeks prior and just totally forgot about it and then realized oh okay that's that Valentine's campaign that I've done that's actually a picture of me and but it's not that I don't look like that but it's just that I'm never standing in that lighting with a perfectly contoured bodysuit, but the light hitting me in the right places with a team of hair and makeup artists that are making me look excellent. So very often, even me as a model, I will look at my own images and be like, oh, I wish I looked like that. Um, wow. And I think, you know, if, if I can be taken in by advertising and, and images that are, you know, I guess some people might consider enviable a certain look to have a certain look um then I I wonder if, if me as the person that's actually in that photo feels like that how on, how on earth does other other people feel um but also in the same breath I wish people could just see what went into creating that look because that is not real life 
that is not how I mean if you saw me on the street you would not think I was that girl in the window I mean you know obviously you have to have a certain sort of um bone structure and things when it comes to modeling but that's changing also very rapidly which is great but ultimately like it's not real there's padding and there's fillers and there's there's hair extensions and there's all this stuff that goes into creating this look that we all envy and but even though we know it's not real I think people just forget sometimes and then end up with what you said I want a new nose or I want this or I want that because look at Kim Kardashian or I mean look at the Kardashians they've completely Frankensteined themselves into looking like not real people but yet people still want to look like them so I wish we could just find a way to remind people that that's not true <laughs> don't feel bad about who you are love who you are for a model to even look at their own pictures and want to look like that it just shows how different it is from real life and it's so easy to look at these pictures and think that looks so natural like you see someone on the beach and you're like oh like why don't I look like that on the beach and you don't realize (laughs) how many things are added into it it just looks it looks so real that most of the time we I mean we don't see it we don't see people getting ready and the extensions the amount of makeup the editing of added makeup contour lines just all these pieces I know recently for me when the pictures are being edited a little bit and people were commenting, oh, you look so pretty. I felt so terrible. It's like, so I don't usually look that way because I would never get comments like that before. So for yeah. you, when you get comments on pictures that are so overdone and changed, how does that make you feel? Yeah, it is a really, I've actually thought about this a lot over the years and it is really difficult to, I guess, separate model you from real you and from in in my mind they are very two very separate people um because it's just what I do it's not who I am and um as a person who has battled it always sounds very hard it's actually very I don't think I've ever spoken about this on a podcast I've been I've done lots of podcasts and lots of interviews in in my life but I don't think I've ever actually been this honest about this one topic, but I'm going to go for it anyway, because why not? Um, It's very hard when you work as a model to say, I feel bad about how I look, because most people would say, well, you are what a, a majority of people would consider attractive. And we know that by the evidence and the fact that you get paid for this is your job. So you you know, don't you dare feel bad about how you look because, you know, you are part of that beauty standard. So it's really hard to um, to ever come out and say that you can struggle with how you look when you you yourself are a model. But I can I can definitely say that for a large portion of my life, that has been the case. I have not um, fully accepted how I looked for a long time. I had an eating disorder I had um you know I really struggled to look in the mirror at some points during my life and really interestingly I just went on a job um 
with a few other quite high fashion models and I'm not a high fashion model at all I'm <laughs> more of a sort of I mean never say never actually I won't put that out there at, at the moment I'm not a very high fashion model because there's not a lot of high there's not too much high fashion work for plus size people not in the UK at least um but it's not impossible and there is work but <laughs> I don't get it <laughs> so um manifesting but- it right now Yes, I'm manifesting myself out of it, it sounds though. So I'm going to manifest myself back into it. I'm not a high fashion model right now, but I will be in the future. Anyway, um, but I was on a job with these really high fashion models. One of them worked Burberry, another one worked Gucci. Um, and they, these are sort of their regular brands that they're working for. And we got onto the conversation of body issues. And one of them said, I absolutely, and <laughs> this person, I mean, I won't say who it is, obviously, but this person was so... Um, he was just so good looking. I mean, you would just never look at this person and think that you would ever feel, he would ever feel bad about how he looks. But he said, I, you know, I don't like how I look. I, I cannot stand my reflection. I don't like my body. I don't like this. And this, again, this is another example of how this, uh, this happens to, to us all. And so um, it can be really challenging. And especially as you, you don't really have a license to talk about it if you are a model because you know does that, does that make sense like you, you can't ever say I don't feel good about how I look because you are a model for a job so people you say you're just crazy be quiet I don't want to hear from you but it's not about how you look is it it's about how you feel exactly and it's so refreshing to hear that even a model sometimes struggles with the way they look because I mean I always use social media as the example all the confident captions and just how beautiful and just the thousands of comments about how perfect they look and you assume that they know they're beautiful they feel beautiful they're confident in their skin because of the way they're posing or the way they're dressed and it's so nice to know that everyone struggles sometimes and that it's okay to not always feel like you're perfect but also you deserve to feel it yeah I think I really like to try and use the narrative self-acceptance over self-love when I don't think anyone's going to look in the mirror for the whole entire life and say oh I just love I just love how I look I just I just love my eyebrows I just love my nose I just love how straight my hair is like no one is ever going to look in the mirror every day and say they love what they see but and you don't have to but I do think it's important to try and look in the mirror every day and say okay I accept what I see and that's where I got with myself and um I definitely I'm not saying I have disliked how I looked my whole life but there have definitely been periods there have been other times in my life where I'm like damn I look good (laughs) you know but those have not always it's not always been the case but rather than fighting against yourself to always be this perfect version of you instead just accepting that a our bodies were designed to change and evolve I mean our bodies and faces we all go from tiny babies into 80 90 year old or hopefully older you know our body's going to be completely different from zero to 100 so just accepting the natural evolution of our bodies I think and our faces is is really important because 
if you constantly look back at that image of yourself, I wish I looked like that. Or oh, when I was 25, my body was like that. And oh, do you remember that time when I had no cellulite and my skin was so good back then? You're going to spend your whole life doing that. You're just going to go, when I look like this or when I look like that, or I actually, what about, this is how I look now and I am who I am and that's okay. And maybe there's things you might want to change for whatever reason. And that's also okay. But you can't start from a pace, place of self-hatred. You have to take it from a place of self-acceptance. That's what I believe anymore. That perspective, mind-blowing, because everyone's like, you have to love yourself. You have to love yourself. And it's like, what if I don't? What if I look in the mirror and I'm like, I don't like the way the person looking at me is staring back at me. And I know for me, I I pull up pictures of my like high school prom and I'm like, I look so good. Because I was a competitive cheerleader back then and I was burning thousands of calories a night and I could eat whatever I wanted to eat. I was also getting to a point where my eating disorder was about to get to a height at the same time. So it was like one night I'd be eating chicken pizza rolls and the next night I'd be like, I'm just going to eat a cucumber today. And I looked so different. My body was still going through that puberty stage and my hips were still growing And when you stop cheering, your body just changes a lot. So looking back at that image of myself, who was at the height of no body fat, the height of these defined muscles, and suddenly it's like, I don't have any of that anymore. I was at the gym for two or three hours the other day, just trying to burn off a million calories to make abs appear. And I'm like, it's not going to work. It's my body's not not going to work. So learning to accept that instead of try to love myself and go back to an image that I loved of myself. Mm-hmm. How did you get to that point and recognize? Um, do you know what? Honestly, I just got to the point where I, so I went from probably in my lifespan, I've gone from a size sort of 18, UK 18, to a size UK six, to a size UK 22, and then back to where I am now, which is a size 16 to 18. And going through my body looked so different, you know, throughout that process. And also throughout the process of um, becoming a model, I was encouraged by my first agency to change myself, change my hair. Can you straighten your hair, braid your hair, do this, do that always kind of chameleoning myself into these different looks and um when I when my body changed particularly my body when when I went from a size eight you know size eight to a size 18 let's take that as an example that was I had horribly disordered eating I, I never was never diagnosed with an eating disorder um but I'm very sure that's what I had well you know I went to dance school I, I originally trained at a sort of a musical theatre academy I guess you can call it and there was a lot of dancing involved and I got a scholarship to the school uh, not really having much dance experience I got in because I was uh, more of a singer and I was very encouraged in my first year to just lose weight because I was probably a size 18 when I joined and I actually remember getting offers from a couple of schools and the offer from one school was conditional and even said it in my letter, it was conditional that I lost four stone, which is, I don't know if you do stones or kilos. We do pounds. Oh, pounds. 14 pounds to a stone, isn't it? 
So, okay, so the 50th, I was challenged by this one dance school, forward slash musical theatre um, school, it was very heavily dance-based, to lose 54 pounds um, as a condition of me getting this place into a school. So, I, and it was over the summer period. So they want me to lose like that much weight in a summer. So obviously I didn't do it, but I went to a different school and they had a, a very similar mindset anyway. So when I first got there, they were like, you're fat, but we think you're a good singer. And we think you could be a good dancer. We gave you a scholarship to lose weight. So I was like, okay. So I got into these horribly disordered eating habits and um, you know, it started off with just eating cutting out carbs and then it went from cutting out carbs to then cutting out um by carbs mean like bread and everything and it went to cutting out carbs and sugar and then it went to like carbs and sugar to then okay how can I make it so that my portions are even smaller and then it got to the point of where I was making sure that if I did eat carbs um it would be so limited it'd be like once a week and I'd only be able to have six tubes of whole grain pasta like the little tubes every week and I'd have to eat it before 6am so that my body had enough time to burn it off so I developed all these eating habits and then when those eating habits were not making me lose weight fast enough I then turned to um, there's these teas these laxative teas that you can drink um, they still sell them actually they're called I don't want to give anyone any ideas so I actually won't tell you the brand <laughs> but it's a tea they sell in the UK and it's, it's full of senna which is a laxative um, I would drink these teas several times a day because it, it would make everything flush out of your body so I just got used to having the stomach ache every single day of my life for probably the three years that I was at drama school dance school and I lost 54 pounds probably even more in my first year and I went from being a size 18 girl to probably maybe a size 10 to maybe eight something around that and the teachers marched me up to the front of the class one day I had this dance teacher and he said look at Sharifa look at her what a transformation everyone clapped for Sharifa when actually I had this this terribly disordered eating that I couldn't get under control and I was feeling depressed and I was exhausted and I got stomach flu all the time and tonsillitis constantly because my body just had, my immune system was just not there. My periods stopped. Um, but because I never got so small, no one ever worried about me. I wasn't dangerously thin. I was just a lot smaller than I was to begin with because I was always quite overweight. Um, so, you know, having gone, having gone through, through that and then I sort of some point in my life managed to, three years of dance school that continued and then it continued after I left dance school for quite some time and then eventually I think I I don't know how managed to sort of snap myself out of it um gained some weight and actually ended up becoming a plus size model <laughs> I didn't purposefully gain the weight it just sort of naturally came back on and ended up becoming a plus size model and I've been doing that ever since but I think the way I was able to get to the point where I say do you know what my body's going to change and I just have to accept it it's because because I was just so fucking tired of giving a shit about my body all the time it is so draining to look in the mirror and pick out parts of yourself that you want to change and you aren't happy with 
I missed my early 20s. I missed my late teens because all I cared about was my reflection. I didn't go to have parties and have fun. I didn't enjoy my life. I didn't wear certain clothes. I didn't feel comfortable on dates. I didn't want to even put myself forward for certain things because I just had this self-limiting belief that for some reason, how I looked was going to hold me back. And actually I look back at this photos and I'm like, God, I looked really quite, I mean, I, I was unwell at some point, so I didn't look well in a lot of them, but some of the other periods where I actually looked okay and fairly healthy still, I looked great. I didn't have a scrap of cellulite. I was quite, you know, quite toned. I exercised at this dance academy all, all day and all night. Um, and on the weekends, we were just constantly exercised actually. So I look back on that time and I'm like, what was I thinking? And so I just, something in my head just went, this is bullshit. I don't want to live my life caring about this. I'm not living life. And so I just got to the point where I was like, do you know what it is what it is? I just have to accept it. I want to live my life. And I know it's not that easy for people to just get that into their, um, it's not that easy to just say, I'm just not going to care. I obviously had to work through my disordered eating pattern and something had to change. But ultimately, I just realized that life is too short and it's precious. Um, and yeah, just tr try <laughs> to accept what you see in the mirror. But I don't know how helpful that is, actually, because it's not that simple. I'm sorry, I cannot get over the fact that your teacher marched you up to the front and is making everyone clap for, first of all, it doesn't matter if you're not dangerously thin if someone's losing over 50 pounds in a short period of time that is dangerous that is so dangerous and to be celebrating that and by celebrating it you're almost encouraging other people to do that encouraging encouraging you to continue that is so just that makes me so angry like that mm. blows my mind that someone thinks it's okay to celebrate dangerous habits and not even giving you support during it or giving you help I what, what what's that like now looking back at it does it make you frustrated what do you wish could have been done instead well it's a couple of things really I mean it's symptomatic of generation diet culture which I think generation diet culture was very much millennial sort of period and the period before I feel quite strongly that we are moving away from generation diet culture I still feel that there's a bit of a trap but a lot more people uh, can see through the bullshit they can see through the nonsense of like um, obsessive calorie counting and slimming world and you know these sorts of things I, you know, I'm not to say that actually all of that is a bad idea because on the other end of the spectrum, we have obesity, which is a massive health issue and calorie counting and some um, diet, some diets are necessary. Um, so I'm not to say that it's all bad, but I think we're moving away from a space where this was culturally as acceptable as it has been. So being marched to the front of the class and congratulated from losing weight through my disordered eating was extremely, it's extremely abnormal. And I think if it happened now, um, there might be a few more like eyebrows raised. I hope it would. Um, 
but also I'm not entirely sure because I'm not in, you know I would be the first person to be like this is bullshit <laughs> um so I I can't say for sure but I think we might be moving into a more uh wise time um I guess it just inspires me to want to remind people at every opportunity to watch out for these really unhealthy habits and because I know how all-consuming they can be and how much they damage lives so um I guess that's my only sort of takeaway from it I would never change anything in my life because we all have experiences for a reason and I know that over the years I've been able to talk about some of these things and it has also helped other people so I guess that is a bit of a gift um I just hope that uh, there's a bit more, I guess, like law, a few more laws in place to, to what can actually yes. be be advertised and what can be encouraged. You know, this slimming tea that I mentioned, it's still sold in the shops. You can still, I could walk down the road now and probably go and get myself one. Um, so I think it's really important that, that we used to have this advert in the UK. It was, do you have special K? there yeah special k the cereal yeah do you ever remember that um the advertisements that were like slimmer for summer yeah and then you had a bowl of special k and it was a certain amount of calories and you couldn't have more than you do go on this special k diet and it was just ridiculous and it had no nutrition and yes you'd lose weight but you're gonna have, <laughs> lack nutrition and it's gonna be a problem for you so um even adverts like that you know there just has to be more uh legis legislation around things like that just being completely banned on every single platform and not encouraging anyone into unhealthy habits um which that clearly is so i i hope that we move into a time a bit more like that i hope so too <laughs> because it is so detrimental and for me, when I see calorie counts on everything as someone who's still recovering from an eating disorder and body dysmorphia, and it's like you, and then you go on TikTok and it's like, I eat 1200 calories a day. And it's like the hamburger ate was 1200 calories. Now I can't eat for the rest <laughs> of the day. And it's just, there's not that, like you said earlier, counting your calories can be super bad, but I don't think it needs to be at the forefront of every message. And it feels like it is these days and the forefront of what you're supposed to look like. I mean, right now, while we're recording this, the Met Gala just happened. When it comes out, it'll seem like this conversation was forever ago. But <laughs> what were your thoughts on Kim K's comment about how she lost 16 pounds in like two weeks? Oh, God, Kim K. I mean, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because <laughs> I don't consider Kim K um I don't take her seriously it's I because because I look at the Kardashians and I think they're an incredibly entertaining family um but because they're so entertaining they're almost like caricatures they're not they don't remind me of they're not real people they are people and they are real but they are not reflective uh they're not representative of people in the world. They are in their own world, the Kardashian world, and they've done incredibly well building their empire, sadly off the back of probably quite a lot of harmful advertising and quite a lot of 
very problematic beauty standards, which it, I have no, I don't know the Kardashians personally. So I would never want to say, oh, I, I, you know, a lot of people don't like them. I would never want to say I don't like them. I, I don't like what they've used their influence for. Yeah. That I think is disappointing and it's really hard for people to navigate. So personally, I didn't feel influenced by it. Um, I just thought, oh gosh, roll my eyes. Kim K, here she goes again. What's she done? What is she wearing? <laughs> well, you know, she actually did look, that's a beautiful dress. So the dress is incredible. Um, I think that the Kardashians are incredibly irresponsible and they will, it's hard to hold them to account because they have built their brand on, um, like I said earlier, Frankensteining themselves into a beauty standard that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Like you, I physically, sometimes I look at their images and I don't understand how they're still standing up. <laughs> They've had their boobs done and their bums done and their tips done and they're always getting things like lift and tucked and moved around. Like, how is it all still in the right place? This is not what regular human women look like without surgery. So for me, it's nothing new. It's just what you would expect of them. I find it very hard that they have so much of a following. And that's what I find really worrying. I think about the young women who would look at Kim K as a reference and say, oh, she's lost that weight. I think I should go and lose that weight. So I have a problem with that. Yeah, and if that I is- want to fit into this cloth, this piece of clothing, and I want to fit into a dress and a skin tight dress, I need to lose sixteen pounds in two weeks. And it's so, I don't know if people realize how. I mean, she probably had nutritionists and doctors too monitoring her the entire time. And if you don't have that, your kidneys, your liver, your heart. I mean it can be so detrimental. So I think even with her saying, I lost 16 pounds in two weeks. It's very important to clarify too, that this was under guidance to watch over all of these pieces of my Mm -hmm. body that could have been greatly affected because you have to talk about that danger piece too. Otherwise it seems like it's okay. And it's normal for me. It's not okay. And I think it's really important to reiterate that that is not normal and that is not okay. But I believe everything the Kardashians do is abnormal, but it has been normalized. And that's what we need to sort of untell ourselves from is going, okay, we see you Kardashians, <laughs> live your best lives, but we're just going to realize that this is like, this is like, this is a show. This is an entertainment. This is not real. Exactly. And us as consumers, I mean, I love to watch the Kardashians. I think the amount of drama that happens is like the most entertaining thing in the world. It makes my life feel so calm and normal. Um, But recognizing that just the images we see, the perception of them we see is probably not the image they see when they look in the mirror or the perception that they see when they reflect on who they are and have conversations with each other. So reality TV still not real and that is (laughs) I think I think also it I just really want to make an important point about her fitting into that dress there is a real narrative that I've sort of noticed which must have developed over the last I'd probably say less than a century because less than a century ago 
we didn't experience fashion and clothes in the way we do now. The narrative is that you must fit yourself into a category rather than the clothes fitting you. If you, my sister, she's very wise, my sister. And she said to me once, she said, Sharifa, do you remember um, in, those, in those old movies where you see people going on the train on a really long journey and they pack their suitcase and in their suitcase, they, you, they, it's tiny and they put a little pair of shoes and a little pair of socks and a petticoat and maybe one or two outfits and then the little leather notebook and a pen or a quill or something and then they close up their like their little suitcase and they get on the train and they say I'm going I'm going to the countryside for nine months <laughs> you're like what <laughs> you've got nothing in your suitcase you're gonna need so much stuff um and obviously look at us now you go on a holiday for a week and you're packing like every single piece of skincare you've ever owned plus 19 different outfits even though you're only going for a week and this you know we're in we live in a capitalist world that obviously encourages us to buy more and, and consume more and get every look and with that has has come this weird narrative that a you have to have loads of clothes and b the clothes rather than those clothes being made to fit you like they would have done in the olden days where people get on their little train with a little suitcase where you go into a clothing shop and someone fits your garment to them and you have very few items of clothing instead they're mass produced under you know a pattern of somebody else's body or fit on another person's body and then we internalize the fact that those clothes don't fit us and we say ah I'm broken top shop or new look or ASOS of whatever it is I don't know if you have these brands in, in yeah. America <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know they said that these clothes don't fit me. Oh, I'm a size 14 and my size 14 doesn't fit me. So that means I'm broken. I must change. I must lose weight. I must gain weight. I must do this. I must do that. Actually, no. Clothes, first of all, being a fashion model for 10 years around the world made me realize that a size 14, it's not a size 14 in Japan. It's not the same size as it is in America, which is not the same size in Germany. And if someone was to spend a week wearing all these sample sizes and realizing that actually the sizes make no sense because of size inflation and um you know just the sheer how fast things are produced they're not made for people's bodies properly yeah. people would realize you have to untether yourself from the idea of needing to fit into a size and that is how you value yourself you value yourself by that little tag that little number you have to actually realize that no clothes are made to fit your body you are not made to fit the clothes yeah. they're just pieces of cloth and um, you can always go and get them tailored <laughs> what an insightful <laughs> what an insightful perspective I mean for me I'm always in between two sizes and because my hips are bigger and my legs are a little thinner and then my breasts are bigger my waist is a little thinner than it so the sizes never just line up and it feels so frustrating when it's like, I can't find clothes that fit. And I'm like, well, then I need to lose weight or I need to look a certain way. And it's just, or I just go through phases where I'm like, I'm just wearing sweats. Sweats always fit me. Like they always look good versus <laughs> trying to fit into these sizes that aren't necessarily built for people with curves or for people whose body isn't 
a Victoria's Secret model's body. And also, uh, or not even just that, people. Actually, just human people. Because a lot of clothes are made from patterns. They are thrown onto a mannequin and not even fitted on a person. And then they are mass-produced. Hundreds of thousands of pieces are mass-produced. And that is how a lot of fast fashion works. And so I wish people would, would remember that when they put that garment on. And you can look at the same, you can actually look at two of the same pieces from the same, from ASOS or whatever, and they actually won't always be the same. They'll be stitched differently. Um, I mean, it's just a big old mess because they just try to produce as many clothes as quick, quickly as possible to make as much profit. And what's happening is we are taking that to, um, to mean that there is something wrong with us and that's just not the case wow I did not know things were like fitted to a mannequin first of all how humans are not mannequins I that blows my mind but before we wrap up do you have one piece last piece of advice you can offer to someone who's really struggling with their body image, struggling with the standards shown on social media and the beauty standards and just finding that piece of acceptance that who they are is enough? Mm. Oh gosh, it's really difficult to try and tell anyone how to feel. Um, you have to, you, there's never a quick fix if you're in that space already it doesn't matter how many people tell you but you look great just be yourself <laughs> doesn't matter because it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna penetrate whatever's gotten into your head to make you feel that your face or your body or who you are or how you are is not worthy and it's not enough um so I I think I would just say probably the best thing that you can do is to get to know yourself as well as possible really it, don't you know you may not be able to not focus on certain parts of yourself that in, inhibit you from life um but what you can do is go out and experience life as much as possible and I think in doing so in learning reading and connecting socializing and taking on challenges I mean I do a lot of sport and activities. I'm a size 18. People find that shocking. I ran a marathon last year. People found that shocking. Um, but actually running the marathon as a size 18 is probably one of the most best, thing, best things I did for my body confidence because even though I was bigger than everyone in, in that race, not everyone, but a lot of people, I was probably one of the bigger looking people. Um, it made me think about my body differently because I wasn't focusing on how it looked I was focusing on shit is my body going to get me from like the start to the finish of this race and my legs going to keep working and it makes you think about yourself differently so I would just encourage people to experience life like walk hike move read listen to music connect with people get out into the world and um and also take time to get to know yourself and what you love and find activities and things that bring you joy um, as much as you can. Um, and in those things, I think you build confidence and you, um, 
you learn to enjoy life away from I guess like the chains of what it can mean to have body dysmorphia or what it can mean to have an eating disorder or what it can mean to feel so trapped in um, that headspace so um, but particularly sport I would say like body issues and getting involved in these fitness challenges for me like it has made me see my body really differently so I guess I would encourage people to sign up to any sort of like race day running walking cycling swimming whatever it is like give it a go um at whatever speed you want to do it like do it with friends raise money for a charity or find your why or your reason to do it and um, get your little medal at the end and um that for me has been really life-changing and definitely changed how I see my body so I don't know if that was very helpful advice but it's probably what I would say get to know yourself get to know the world around you and um be self-reflective sit with the discomfort and um but obviously reach out if you need any support from any charities like I can recommend Beat Eating Disorder it's an amazing charity in the UK Calm is an amazing mental health charity so obviously also reach out for, for support if you need it as well I am so inspired by you you have been just an absolute blessing on this conversation today thank you so much for joining me how can people connect with you um okay well you can come to my instagram it's probably mostly where i am um sharifa j at sharifa underscore j and i do have um tiktok but i'm not very good at it (laughs) i've done a few i did i did one that did quite well and then i just i was like oh i don't want to do this anymore so i just stick to instagram i might come back to tiktok if i feel in the mood but it's gone too it's too advanced now i can't keep up i'm like glamour (laughs) 